And what happened is, bang, right into their sweet spot. And that's exactly where it cleared. That's no coincidence. Upon the breakout, gold's gonna make a new all-time highs. Gold-backed ETFs in inflows of over five billion. Point eight trillion dollar gold market. Why are we the only guys to see on this planet? Raise your head, Ben. Welcome to Live from the Vault. My name is Shane Wren, and I'll be your host for this episode. Uh, thank you, thank you to our entire community. We are growing and continue to grow every week here. Uh, so thank you for that. Um, there's a lot to talk about this week. This is, we're still in historic times. Andrew McGuire is in the house and we'll be talking gold uh, for sure here. Uh, you're not going to want to miss any part of this episode. And breaking just to uh, this week, uh, it's important that if you are a Kinesis account holder, we've got a massive milestone where the holder's yield was paid out for the first time. We're excited. Every month now, you get paid for holding physical gold, holding physical uh, silver. And by the way, 2.8 million was paid out this week. Very, very exciting. So just before we go to Talking Gold with Andrew McGuire, please keep spreading the word about this channel by hitting that like button, share this information, and smash that subscribe button if you haven't already done that. And then click on that little bell notification so you'll be notified as these episodes go live. So with that, let's head over to the UK and Talking Gold with Andrew McGuire. Now, Andy, let's start off this week by looking at the action in gold. And I recall last episode, you had mentioned that we were to expect some price capping heading into the BIS, which was Thursday the 30th. And I believe you called it their equilibrium uh, price. So uh, it looks like it's exactly what happened in the markets. Am I right here? Over to you, Andy. Yeah, Shane. I think the one thing we have to address really within this question is the blatant counterintuitive disconnect between whoa, the wholesale market and what we see on the charts here. Uh, and really, that is obviously the divergent paper price that we just experienced going into, as you said, BIS, meaning the Bank of International Settlements Options Expiration on the 30th of September. And if you remember, as you say, we, we did in our last episode warn that this the BIS is caught in a really in a race to square up very large unallocated gold liabilities, which they have laid on the books of the two big to fail agent banks who are privileged to have gold accounts with the Bank of England. Now, we've, we've kind of gone through this a lot, so I won't belabor it. But based on the footprints in the wholesale market, it really indicates that the BIS sweet spot, which what is the sweet spot? It's the balance between pushing the COMEX future price too deep into backwardation, i.e. we've discussed backwardation, meaning simply cheaper than the spot market, which is 10 times larger uh, than the COMEX. So if you put that price too far below the spot price where you can buy spot gold and silver in the foreign exchange markets at a, a lower price, uh, sorry, at, at a higher price, then obviously what you're going to do is you're going to go after the COMEX uh, inventory. They don't, want, they don't want that. It's not really a delivery market. So it's the management of trying to stop that getting too deep below the spot price and the need to square up as many unallocated contracts as possible. Now, we've been through this for the last year, basically, and on why the BIS needs to do this. But 
The BIS mandate that we discussed last time was to mark the price to market, and that is up to a trillion dollars worth of derivatives that are underpinned by physical gold, and to mark that price to market between, as we said, 1750 to 1775. And this was regardless. We were experiencing um, a decent market at that time. So it was regardless of the strong physical demand, which uh, has evidenced primarily the BRICS countries, the, the, the Bra Brazil, Russia, India, China, uh, and etc. The BRICS countries capitalizing on the other side of that trade. Now, obviously, if you're going to discount gold and you've got a physical buyer in the market, they're going to come after it. So before we look at the short term action and what to expect next, I think it is helpful to just stand back for a second from the short term action, which we see on the charts here and look at the global view, because it provides a much clearer picture as to just who the players are as we head into this Basel III deadline. Now, some six months ago, we revisited the Russia-China gold accumulation story and really the reasons they were noticeably accelerating the process of exchanging rapidly depreciating dollar assets for physical gold. Now, what prompted me to look at this again was actually Dominic Frisby's excellent Money Week article where he really wrote a really good piece on China owning, as he put it, a lot more gold than it's letting on. Well, yeah. And at the commencement of 2021 trading, we'd already estimated ourselves that it was a likely a very conservative 25,000 tons. Now, if we aggregate all our best estimates of cumulative gold held in China, and that's not including the citizens, obviously, uh, there is sufficient empirical evidence to suggest that China holds around 30,000 tons of gold. Now, Nick Laird um, uh, of Gold Charts R Us estimates he's, he's really accurate, he's pretty accurate, but he, he reckons about 28,911 tons pretty much jives with what we assess at this point. Now, obviously, these estimates do not include physical gold held by the powerful generals. And almost remember, we've done this before, we've talked about this before. Almost all of the revenue from weapons sales, etc., flows through the generals. So when one aggregates what is officially declared, none of the remaining 28,000 tons that the PBOC hasn't declared, uh, really none of those, these are 12,000, these are 12.5 kilo monetary gold bars that don't obviously trade on the SGE. And, and they are salted amongst the state held banks and so we, if we kind of aggregate all of this stuff and what the SGE trades, etc., I mean, 30,000 tons really looks extremely conservative. <laughs> Obviously, none of these estimates include the gold that China has been encouraging its citizens to accumulate and probably will not allow uh, them to lose money on that trade. So under the covers of this psychological operation, paper market shenanigans. And it is a psychological operation because you've, when you've got enough spec traders out there willing to borrow money from the casino, you know where the stops are, you can play that game. Now, currently, China and Russia 
along with all the BRICS nations uh, and others such as Thailand, with a particular active India in the mix at this point, uh, are busy taking advantage of the scramble by Western governments to ditch rehypothecated underwater paper market obligations in this race to comply with Basel III NSFRs in just 13 weeks from now. So, we, you know, this is, this is a race. Now, yeah, and, and guess who's on the other side of that trade converting dollars to physical gold? So what China is doing, they're surreptitiously taking the other side of that trade, converting unallocated generated spot prices that are being generated into physical. And they do that with ETF accumulations, but primarily off loco London buying 12.5 kilo bars. Now, China's divestment of dollar reserves is, is very carefully managed. And look, it could be stepped up at any time. And I think that's what's happening. And it's not just gold that's being accumulated. Look, every other tangible asset that you can see, see and feel, I mean, are being purchased. I mean, look, these are rapidly de debasing dollars. So, you know, buying foreign infrastructure, African roads, land, mines, forests, etc., all are part of this process of divesting dollars and, and investing those dollars into something more tangible. So having formed a gold trading alliance back in 2013, hey, and we've talked about this before, that's no coincidence that jives with the Basel III gold physical segregation mandates when they were first announced back in 2013. China and Russia are using this Basel III window to step up the process of backing up their currencies with unencumbered physical gold with a clear ultimate objective of challenging the US dollar global reserve currency status. I mean, it's, it's blatantly obvious. Now the US, China and Russia are military enemies. And with the US showing a weak military hand in Afghanistan just now, that's bolstered Russia and China's ongoing efforts to usurp the petrodollar, something no one has ever achieved before without being invaded. Now, no one's going to invade Russia and China. Russia's pipeline into Europe and fresh alliances with oil-producing countries really further dilute US dollar hegemony status. And this is important because the BIS may ultimately split from, align themselves more with Europe. And because Basel III seeks to address the collapse of US dollar hegemony on a short-term basis, the BIS recognizes that gold is the only weapon that can unseat the US dollar. And while the US is flirting with this dangerous military war, and look at some of the stuff we're seeing here, um, and, and we're talking about Russia and China here, the real battle, battleground is the war on US dollar hegemony. And the only solution other than an unthinkable nuclear war is for the US to cash settle central bank rehypothecated bullion loans and leases and move to back the US dollar with physical gold before Russia and China disclose their real physical holdings. Look, the race is definitely on. And why would China, Russia and the BRICS central banks want to upset this gold accumulation window while it's still open. And we can see that today. And, you know, this is this is an imperfect. I mean, to be exchanging your dollars at this price for physical assets like gold and silver 
is phenomenal and all other commodities are obviously on the rise so this is a huge bargain opportunity but forced by the fact that the BIS has to protect their positions now we are very close to a physically determined price emerging and by then all central banks will want to support the gold backing up their currencies so through all of this process keep in mind that the US Treasury only purports to have 8,130 tonnes of gold reserves, but rehypothecation questions following Germany's repatriation debacle, and a debacle it was, if you remember, they only wanted 300 tonnes of their gold back, and it was going to take seven years initially, uh, and they weren't even allowed to come and inspect their gold, which is what forced them to demand their gold back. So really, these questions hang over this 8,130 tons. When you start comparing that to a minimum of 30,000 tons, we're seeing a bit of an imbalance here. And so very short term, what we've been drawing attention to, uh, and, and it's the process of this unwinding of 100 to 1 unallocated gold foreign exchange contracts, and how that involves initially selling highly leveraged over-the-counter gold longs and buying back the dollar leg of these FX transactions. Your longs one side, you short the other. Now, if it's 100 to 1, you've got to cover these things off because you could be called on for delivery. And that's what caused the March 2020 delivery, uh, the, 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 the spike higher in, in March 2020 when the, when the connection, the EFP, the connection between the COMEX and the, and the spot market blew up because everyone wanted suddenly to take delivery. Well, everyone bailed and ran for cover because at 100 to 1, you don't have that gold. So, so basically, we've explained how this, you know, how this effect of unwinding, it initially forces a down, down leg in the paper gold price. And indeed, this is being done clearly as disruptively as possible to gain as much traction as possible. But each unallocated tranche squared and we've seen that now this whole of September and the beginning of October which we think has now turned it um, ultimately what this removes is more than 600 tons of synthetic supply currently cleared and netted out on the books of the LBMA banks every single day so clearly you know when we see three to five tons physically delivered on the LBMA we're seeing 600 tons cleared so this is beginning to unwind now, Andrew, uh, so many people are confused by the lack of upside traction uh, in, you know, the gold and silver markets. And uh, we thought, you know, a lot of people think that this would be the ultimate conditions for gold uh, and silver to go up with strong physical demand. Now, you're close to the wholesale uh, markets. Can you just give us some insights into this area? Yes, Shane, there are really so many questions about the short-term counterintuitive nature of this unwind process and questions on how this benefits Russia and China. So it's worth taking a second to look at how the Fed and the BIS really got into this mess in the first place. And yes, a mess it is. And they have ultimately lost, actually, a, they've lost ultimately lost a financial war with very powerful Russia and China alliance. Now, as we discussed recently, now we see Europe pushing back against Basel IV, and we see this is inevitable that the BIS will ultimately ally themselves with continental neighbours versus the US. Now, 
The move to exit paper gold and, and to back European currencies with gold jives with this effort. And the US is, it's really the US that's behind, primarily behind driving the onerous Basel IV mandate, which we outlined back in August, would be extremely onerous for, for uh, the globe and for small businesses. And I'll sum up, I mean, I can sum that up better in a moment, but to answer your question uh, and to cut a long story short, following Nixon depegging the dollar from gold 50 years ago to bolster US dollar hegemony, of course, this is that pure illusion, thousands of tons of paper gold supply were created out of thin air and then sold, leased and really swapped naked short with the proceeds really used to buy treasuries to earn a carry spread. All sounded very cool. In fact, when Robert Rubin was running the, the uh, Goldman Sachs uh, gold desk, there was probably an 8% return in just doing that. And what that did was create a massive, massive accumulation of paper gold. Now, so that really worked well until it was realized that hundreds of tons of these highly leveraged lease bullion obligations were never going to be repaid. In fact, with the 100 to 1 diluted paper price of gold so attractive, central banks began swapping dollars for physical gold and essentially reopening the gold window that Nixon closed, just at a higher price. And when Basel III net stable funding ratios for gold were finally agreed back in 2013, it triggered the commencement of these central bank gold market repatriations. I mean, good God, even Texas enacted a bill to repatriate one billion in its, of its gold from the New York Fed's vaults to their own newly established uh, state gold bullion depository. Why would you do that if you had trust in the, uh, in the, trust in the integrity of those holdings? And this move to secure physical also spilled out into the general market. And by April 2013, this is an important point, in April 2013, after gold, these gold repatriation requests surfaced and the refusal to repay Germany's 300 tons in a timely manner, major cracks had surfaced in the LBMA 100 to one over the counter market. And it prompted the LBMA uh, and the first bank, and we had the first client letter, and we published it immediately the, the, the day it arrived, that we had the first letter from the LBMA bank, ABM AMRO, um, to send, they sent a letter to all their clients, advising them they could no longer take physical delivery of their bullion. This was, I think, the 1st of April, 2013. And furthermore, you could now be only cash settled. That ignited a move for other central banks, LBMA banks, sorry, uh, to uh, do the same. So they were refusing delivery uh, of, of uh, client respects, re uh, client requests to actually take delivery and to withdraw their bullion. So it, it's no coincidence, literally one day after the ABM AMRO uh, letter, the Fed stepped in and called an emergency meeting with the president's working group, along with all the major bullion banks. And hey, no coincidence, that re resulted in a $500 price rigging event, driving the price of gold from 1604, uh, never forget, these numbers are burning in your head, to 1604 to 1088. I mean, that, that was history in the making. And that was a psychological operation 
And that continued until the 31st of December 2015, before gold finally bottomed. But not, this is the important point, but not before China and Russia had broken rank and began surreptitiously sucking up everything that was on offer. So, Andrew, uh, what can we expect as this battle unwinds here? So, Shane, let's, let's fast forward till now then. Now, as we draw closer to January 2022, official central bank purchases have been accelerating. And this is something that we're drawing attention to now. This is one of the reasons we're trying to draw attention to it now. And what is not disclosed is that China and Russia, the, the China-Russia powerhouse, have actively been swapping dollars for physical gold, and these, which is the 12.5 kilo gold bars. And they're doing this off-grid, completely bypassing the LVMA conduit and the SGE. And Russia has, has, is obviously openly buying its own production and has, not, and has been very, very transparent, actually, about divesting dollars for gold. But China has not. And so this is only a really tiny percentage of what China buys is on grid. Every month, these powerhouses have been taking full advantage of this official defensive BIS mark-to-market event end of every single month, particularly end of every quarter, but end of every month. And we just saw an end of quarter. And at best estimate, um, I think, you know, we've, we've said in the past, probably when you add all the derivatives up that need to be marked to market at that end of month, options uh, squaring position, it's been up to a trillion dollars of accrued gold derivative positions. And that's why they have there's always been this massive move to to bring gold into that sweet spot that we said it would come into and where we are at the moment and we'll look in a minute where that's moved to but and that's all we saw last thursday and, and that's exactly the reason for it and after we drew attention that this bis event was upcoming and that the sweet spot was 1750 to 1775 despite supply demand fundamentals pointing to over 1900 bucks really even accounting for the unwind of paper and sure enough what happened right on cue supply demand fundamentals pointing much higher and contracts being disruptively dumped into that moment right into the 4 p.m fx clearing moment now what happens is at 4 p.m. UK time, the foreign exchange markets square all their positions. Now, gold and silver are foreign exchange positions. So what happened was that's the mark to market event. And what happened is bang right into their sweet spot. And that's exactly where it cleared. That's no coincidence. But really what we're saying is this capping event which obviously seeks to divest as much unallocated supply as possible into Basel III, was taken full advantage of, not just by China, but also by very large Indian buyers, also recognizing that Basel III revaluation window is closing fast. And really, everyone is surreptitiously swapping overvalued dollars as benchmarked by over-the-counter gold, which is what we're talking about here, for literally hundreds of tons of bullion are being sucked up at a massive discount. Now, this competitive physical buying has been forcing discipline to really an otherwise synthetic market, 
which could, let's face it, technically chase a dot on a screen to zero. Because that is what speculators do. They have no view into the physical market, have no concept of the physical market. So Basel III, as we know, is segregating physical gold from derivative gold, and it's going to result in the extinction of the 50-year price suppression screen. Like it or lump it, that's what's happening. So, you know, when we think about it, the BIS is just acting as a bailey for Western central banks. The BIS has never allowed a single physical ounce, well, certainly not in the last four to five years, not a single physical ounce of gold under management has left their site account. Instead, these lease swap obligations, as we say, have been laid on the books of the two big to fail banks who have gold accounts with the Bank of England. So in order to square up these positions before these liabilities roll onto the books of these banks, they have to square them. And that's being taken advantage of. Everything we see indicates that the BIS must move from controlling the paper markets to ultimately controlling the physical markets. And as the paper gold dilution unwinds, that will undoubtedly result in a higher gold price. So where are we right now as we head into the gold season, Andy? Uh, last week, the Basel III race to exit unallocated 100 to 1 leveraged contracts took precedence. But the clue that this was very short term in nature was that October through December, futures contracts all the way October through to December, their discounts or backwardations, as we call them, expanded to actionable levels. And at no point did insiders lower their COMEX sweet spots. So in other words, insiders are kind of caught between two things. They needed, they were quite happy to have a higher price, but the BIS took the price down. So they've took advantage of that too. But when we, we did observe the October futures contract, which is really an illiquid contract, it's not really a delivery contract, and that had been discounted to spot uh, through this whole September paper market driven selling from between $2.60 to a full $8 per ounce at some points. Um, and of course, they're being sourced for delivery by the first and second tier banks capitalizing on the this this exchange for physical discount, the ability to exchange this the, this this futures price for a physical delivery, which essentially is just moving that price into a spot market, which then you still have to pay a premium over. But, but when accounting for refiner premiums to spot, look, these were extremely attractive. And, and just drawing some attention to this October contract, you can't ignore what was going on there. It's not a liquid contract. So the, the 38 tons that were actually demanded for delivery and the sleepy illiquid a silver October contract, which is almost off the scale, off the grid completely, that evidenced over 240 tons standing for delivery. Now, all of this flies under the radar, but it is actually notable. These are little things we look for. And it illustrates the dislocation between the COMEX driven price and where the rubber meets the road, basically. And after the massive BIS orchestrated sell-off into Thursday, the one that we said was coming, insiders were hedged one-to-one -one long against these automated speculative sellers who borrow money from the casino. And these speculators were busy algo-selling. Algo in other words, they were just geared up to uh, 
the dollar. And so when you've got a, a strong dollar and rising bond yields, their automated algos will sell silver and sell gold and buy the other side, buy the strong dollar, buy the rising bond yields. So uh, and, and so basically uh, reacting to uh, what we call is a bearish cross. You know, in other words, it's going to affect gold and silver badly. However, not if you have got a view into the physical market. <laughs> so really, these guys right on cue into the BIS options clearing moment on Thursday at 4 p.m. UK time. Uh, and basically, the, the BIS allowed the spot price to rise exactly to where their sweet spot was before they removed the capping lid. So, so really, this mark-to-market event that began on September the 3rd, capping the breakout, which uh, the breakout point 1836.90 was where they, they took it down from, it clearly succeeded in squaring up last, large Basel III unallocated long contracts and probably well over 80 tonnes. But in the process, it drove both gold and silver futures into this deeply actionable backwardation, driving this exchange for physical link um, to, to dislocations not seen since March 2020, when we saw a very large rally uh, develop. So really following five solid weeks of specs, PSYOP to sell every rally, um, blinkered completely. Uh, to these dislocations between the physical and the uh, paper market. Um, and, and really following this, really, so what we were saying is really following this 10 times larger Bank of International Settlements over-the-counter mark-to-market event, these specs chasing this dot on a screen have been left extremely wrong-footed. Now, there's a hell of a lot of short positions low-hanging short fuel above the market, really, where it's going to be more attractive, I think, for insiders who, are, let's face it, if you're a market maker, you're on one side of the trade. And if a speculator is selling, what are you doing? You're buying. And, and, and really, when you look at the COT report and really only gives you a fractional clue into how strongly the insiders are long against the speculators. So, Look, so even as we entered this week's trading, uh, these momentum spec sellers, oblivious to this BIS event, were still auto-selling gold and silver into the strong dollar and rising bond yields. Once it's realized, though, that the insiders and officials are taking the long side of every sell order, and they haven't yet, it has set naked short specs up for a massive house-enriching short squeeze. And from the current sovereign support stair levels, and we've said this, you're going to find very strong sovereign support at 1750. And you, every dip below 1750 has been bought strongly. We anticipate at least a 100 to 150 dollar rally before any kind of real pause. Now, obviously, probably wait till non-farm payrolls before any of this starts to happen. But which when you're given the extent of the deeply oversold conditions and large short fuel, uh, for the house to ring the register on these shorts, it should be gold should be sufficiently coiled to get through the very important resistance at the 1832.60382 fiber. And this is a Fibonacci level which we have constantly been capping. And really, so really, when we say 80, let's say 1835, a, a pit close above 1835, watch out above. 
All right, of course, and my favorite topic of all time is absolutely silver. What is going on in the silver markets? Shane, silver got caught in the BIS gold selling vortex. And as a result, the silver, primarily the silver future structure on balance um, is actually more bullish. And we're talking about the COMEX structure here, more bullish than we experienced in back in March 2020. And as we assessed um just looked at this yesterday, uh, following the current COMEX spec-driven sell-off, silver futures are structurally more bullish than when it was at $12.05 in March 2020. So think about that. And okay, so right now we're in the 22.4, area. That's a hell of a lot higher than $12.05. So, um, I think the first thing we need to note, though, is that a lot of people look at the COT report. It is fake. And either, I mean, I looked at it this week and, and not only did we put a complaint in about it because it is absolutely, uh, the, the, the numbers do not make any sense. Either insiders have infiltrated the managed money category which is quite possible because they've already infiltrated the other reportable category uh, through their Cayman entities, um, or they've knowingly tinkered with this report. Now, as these reports clearly point to the swap dealers, which is the predatory side of this market, their net long position, we figured was more like 15,000 lots, not what they reported with managed money significantly net short against them. Now we've lodged a complaint on this, but look, the last time that we've seen the swap dealers net long, and look, who's gonna win this battle? <laughs> the speculators or the house? The last time, read the house, was net long to this degree versus the net short specs was back in 2005. I had to look back on this. Also, um, by Wednesday, the exchange for physical, this connection between the uh, COMEX and the spot market, had also begun telegraphing spot silver liquidity issues not seen since March 2020. And the upside breach of the upturning 22.405 10-day moving average, which was at that point into the pit close, was an extremely bullish development. Now, the 10-day moving average has moved down a little since then, but with specs holding all the short chips and the house, the longs, structurally, technically, and fundamentally, this sets up silver for a potential rally similar, like an $18 similar rally to March 2020. And following uh, the BIS OPEX and clearing, gold futures also has a similar bullish structure and as silver insiders are one-to-one -one long against these massive sh uh, spec short positions. Also, a similarly bullish EFP structure has become evident in gold futures from a stair step at 1750. Last time we evidenced such a stair step, there was a $600 March rally from 1450.90 to 2089.20. So a hell of a lot higher stair step. And really, there's no reason why we shouldn't achieve our 2300 to 2500 um, goal uh, for price goal for the end of the year. So very short term, hey, momentums will continue to sell the rally. And 
really, we're still seeing that more in silver than in gold, but much like every single mark-to-market event, end-of-month mark-to-market event, the house has bet long against the specs. And we see far more mileage to be gained from the upside than time to troll further to the downside. And the unwind of overhead unallocated supply is well underway. And we suspect this unwind will be completed by early, De- early December. And it would indicate that the next BIS mark to market event on the 29th of October of this month will actually be agreed at a higher level, likely more closer to 1835 after which we will see Goldman's targets of 23 to 2500, which they put out at the beginning of the year, and believe me, I think they're fairly accurate, we'll see them fulfilled into Basel III NSFR compliance. So where does that put silver, to answer your question, Shane? Even at current highly manipulated 78 to 1 levels, that puts it at, what, 30 to 32 bucks? While given tightness in physical supply and sold out refinery conditions into the end of the year, more like 63 to 1, uh, putting silver much closer to 36 to 30, 55 bucks, something like that. So conservatively, a best estimate somewhere in between those numbers. And once silver futures gets above 35, uh, which is the 35,235 is burned in the mine, that's the 2012 gap close, sideline money will enter Look, 50 will be overcome pretty darn quickly. And there you have it, Talking Gold with Andrew McGuire. Thank you so much for those valuable insights. Every episode is filled with valuable insights, and I guess it's still buy physical, buy physical. If you haven't already heard, of course, uh, Kinesis this week paid out $2.8 million uh, in the holder's yield. So those uh, uh, account holders that were holding physical gold or physical silver uh, got paid out this month and every month moving forward. If you want to learn more about it, be sure to head over to kinesis.money. And so uh, subscribe, like, share, you know the routine. And that's all we have for you this week. Let's make it a great week. And we'll see you next time on Live from the Vault. Bye for now. <laughs>